On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla holds its Q4 earnings call. And as always, I've got all of the highlights and analysis from the event, including Elon Musk's much anticipated product roadmap update. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey, joined as always by my canine companion, Daisy the Boxer. This is Ride the Lightning, episode 339 for January 30th, 2022. It has been a busy week for me with the podcast. Normally, just to give you a little bit of insight, I work on the podcast every night. Just sometimes it's a lot, sometimes it's a little, sometimes it's just catching up on Ride the Lightning hotline calls, sometimes it's putting the news together, whatever it is, but on earnings call episodes like this one, I more or less just kind of have to lay low until Wednesday. The earnings calls are usually on Wednesdays. And then since I record on Friday nights, I have to sprint hard to the finish line to get it done. And boy, was there a lot to get to on this one. So let's get started. Now, normally, Uh, I don't say too much about the shareholder letter and end up getting into the earnings call itself pretty quickly, but I think in this shareholder letter, there's actually a lot to talk about. So let's start there. Uh, The letter opens with this summary. 2021 was a breakthrough year for Tesla. There should no longer be doubt about the viability and profitability of electric vehicles. With our deliveries up 87% in 2021, we achieved the highest quarterly operating margin among all volume OEMs based on the latest available data, demonstrating that EVs can be more profitable than combustion engine vehicles. Additionally, we generated $5.5 billion of gap net income and $5 billion of free cash flow in 2021 after spending $6.5 billion to build out new factories and on other capital expenditures. After a successful 2021, our focus shifts to the future. We aim to increase our production as quickly as we can, not only through ramping production at new factories in Austin and Berlin, but also by maximizing output from our established factories in Fremont and Shanghai. We believe competitiveness in the EV market will be determined by the ability to add capacity across the supply chain and ramp production. Full self-driving software remains one of our primary areas of focus. Over time, our software-related profit should accelerate our overall profitability. More importantly, FSD is a key component to improve automobile safety, as well as further accelerating the world's transition to sustainable energy through higher utilization of our vehicles. While 2021 was a defining year for our company, we believe we are just at the very early stages of our journey. Thank you for being a part of it. So how about that? $5 billion of free cash flow last year. And uh, by the way, overall, their cash flow, their their cash on hand, $17.6 billion. Uh, And also, by the way, Tesla adds our total debt, excluding vehicle and energy product financing, has fallen to just $1.4 billion at the end of 2021. So that is just a huge... Scrooge McDuck vault of cash at this point 
which gives them plenty of cushion to get the Cybertruck done, the Roadster done, and the Semi done. In fact, they said as much, adding later on in the shareholder letter, quote, we have sufficient liquidity to fund our product roadmap, long-term capacity expansion plans, and other expenses. And if you remember, I don't know how long you've been listening to the podcast, some of you all the way, some of you might be newer, but it wasn't too long ago when Tesla wasn't even profitable, let alone sitting on a mountain of cash. I have done so many earnings call recap episodes of this podcast over the years where the main theme was, are they going to eke out profitability this quarter? And now the main theme each each quarter is, how profitable are they going to be this quarter? It is not a question of if, it is a question of by how much. Uh, Here's the next notable item in the shareholder letter, and it is regarding the progress at Giga Texas. Tesla says, Builds of Model Ys started in late 2021 at Gigafactory Texas. After final certification of Austin-made Model Y, we plan to start deliveries to customers. Fremont Factory achieved record production in 2021. We believe there is potential to extend overall capacity beyond 600,000 per year. We aim to maximize output from our Fremont factory while ramping new factories. So it is safe to say, or I should say, is it safe to say? It's a question here. Is it safe to say that if they're saying they can exceed 600,000 out of Fremont, that they in fact hit 600,000 out of Fremont in 2021? Because if so, it means that it must have been 600,000 cars out of Fremont and about roughly 300,000 out of Shanghai. Because remember, it was about 932,000 total production and deliveries last year. Now, that doesn't seem quite right to me, just given how efficient Shanghai has been in its short existence so far. But regardless of whether that 600K number is past performance or future potential, 600,000 cars is awesome. And they aim to go beyond that, as they said. So I suppose they've got some ceiling left there if we just take a a a cursory look at things right now because, as you all know, the new Model S and Model X haven't even fully ramped back up to their full production capability yet. The Model S is still still ramping up, although getting there, and the new Model X has really barely started deliveries yet, and and the wait times on the new Model Y are still pretty far out if you order one today. And here's what the shareholder letter said about Giga Berlin, of course, the other of Tesla's new two-headed monster uh, factory-wise. They say, equipment testing through the vehicle production process started late 2021. We are still in the process of finalizing the manufacturing permit from local authorities, which will allow us to start delivering German-made vehicles in Europe. These first vehicles will be built using 2170 cells. So here you go. This was a nugget buried in uh, the, uh, a key nugget buried in the shareholder letter that wasn't even mentioned on the call. Berlin is starting with 2170 cells. And I have to ask why. Now, to be fair, I don't, I don't say that judgmentally or, or negatively in any way, 
just kind of asking aloud on that because, uh, as we have now learned, Texas will start with the 4680s. And so Berlin, we know they're running a tad behind just because of uh, bureaucracy, just red tape. So they are going to be starting with 2170s. And we were warned this was a possibility. Elon had said uh, prior to this that their plan B effectively was to start either factory, if necessary, with the 2170 cells. And as it turns out, one of them will uh, be utilizing that plan B. So I wonder, is it transportation costs of the 4680 cells from Fremont out to Germany? Is it cell supply from Cato? That they're just they don't have enough to fully supply uh, the ramp in Berlin at this time. Is it both, perhaps? I mean, they're gonna switch to the 4680s at some point, so I am sure that however Tesla arrived at this decision to go with the 2170s out of the gate in Berlin, they did not arrive at that decision lightly. Uh, a quick side note from the shareholder letter: it mentions that there are currently. 60,000 full self-driving beta testers. And I say that only to A, share that information with you, and B, because it's I find that interesting. I had no idea quite how many uh, of us there were. And I have to say that's more than I would have guessed. 60,000 is not a small number. I wonder how many people are going to be added as version 11 of the full self-driving beta rolls out. 10.9 by the way, uh, seems to have stopped rollout. I never got it, and most beta testers seem to have never gotten it. It seems to be a relatively small batch of folks that did get it. So, uh, and and as of this recording on you know late Friday night, you know it started 10.9 started rolling out exactly one week ago, and typically if the rollout gets paused because Tesla found something that they needed to address, there is a you know, dot one release, so a 10.9.1. And uh, as of this recording, that has not happened yet. So it remains to be seen whether or not uh, the bulk of the FSD beta testers are just going to be waiting for a, a beta 11 at this point. We shall see. Now, the good news is if that is the case, as I've been talking about on recent episodes, I'm actually really happy with where uh, where this current version 10.8 is. It's been a lot more useful. It's been uh, it's been much more enjoyable to use. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, and also of note, by the way, if you're curious, the only mentions of Cybertruck, Semi, and Roadster in the entire shareholder letter were in the same place that they've been for all of the other recent shareholder letters, which is being listed as in development on the list of projects happening in each factory. So, with the shareholder letter out of the way, let's see if the earnings call yielded anything more in terms of juicy and or interesting information. Let's get it started with Elon Musk's opening statement, which is just over 10 minutes long, and battery guru Drew Baglino gets in on this as well, so that other voice you'll hear will belong to Drew. Take it away, Elon. Just to recap, uh, 2021, uh, it was a breakthrough year for Tesla and for electric vehicles in general. And while we battled, uh, and everyone did, w- uh, with supply chain challenges through the year, we managed to grow our volumes by nearly 90% last year. This level of growth didn't happen by coincidence. It was a result of ingenuity and hard work across multiple teams, 
throughout the company. Uh, additionally, we reached the highest operating margin in the industry uh, in the last uh, widely reported quarter at over 14% gap operating margin. Uh, lastly, thanks to $5.5 billion of million, <laughs> small finger by the mouth, um, uh, $5.5 billion of gap net, net income in 2021, our accumulated profitability since the inception of the company became positive, which I think makes us a real company at this point. Uh, this is a critical milestone for the company. So after an exceptional year, we shift our focus to the future. Um, Texas and Berlin. So we've, we've begun production at both Texas and Berlin. We started that uh, last quarter. Uh, but that, that's not the most important thing. Um, we, we're focused more on when do we get to, to volume production um, and when can we deliver cars to customers. Um, but, but I think it is worth noting that we, uh, and, and as the internet has observed, <laughs> uh, we have, we've, we've been make, making quite a few cars in Texas and Berlin. So, uh, in Boston and Berlin. So, uh, in, in Texas, we're building the Model Ys with the structural battery pack and the 4680 cells. And we will start delivering uh, after final certification of the vehicle, which should be fairly soon. Capacity expansion will continue. We're maximizing output of each factory. Uh, and building new factories and new locations in the future. Um, although we're not ready to announce any new locations on this call, but but we will, uh, uh, through 2022, look at new locations and probably be able to announce new locations uh, towards the end of this year, I expect. Um, so, so in 2022, supply chain will continue to be the fundamental limiter of output across all factories. Um, so the uh, the chip shortage, while better than last year, is still still uh, an issue. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's uh, th th there are there are multiple supply chain challenges. <laughs> um, and um, last year was difficult to predict, and hopefully this year will be smooth sailing. But uh, you know, I'm not sure what you do for an encore to 2021, 2020. Um, Nonetheless, we, we, we do expect uh, significant growth in 2022 over 2021, um, you know, comfortably above 50% growth in, in 2022. Uh, full self-driving. So over time, we think full self-driving will become the most important source of profitability for Tesla. Uh, it's... Um, I mean, actually, if, if you run the numbers on robo taxis, uh, it's it's kind of nutty. Uh, the, the, it's it's nutty good for, for, from a financial standpoint, um, and I think we are completely confident at this point that it will be achieved. Um, and uh, you know, my my personal guess is that we will achieve full self driving this year. Um, yeah. With, with at a safety level significantly greater than, than a person. So, um, it, it, you know, the, the, the cars in the fleet essentially becoming self-driving via software update, I think might might end up being the, the biggest uh, increase in asset value of any asset class in history. Um, we shall see. Uh, it, will, it will also have a profound impact on improving safety and on accelerating uh, the world towards sustainable energy. 
through vastly better asset utilization. Let's see, so on the, on the product roadmap front, there's, there's quite a lot to talk about. Um, I'm not going to go through every sort of thing that we're working on because I think a lot of them deserve uh, product launches of their own uh, as opposed to uh, a few minutes on an earnings call. Um, so I'll talk kind of at a high level. Uh, yeah, mostly at a high level. Um, the, the fundamental focus of Tesla this year is scaling output. Uh, so um, you know, both last year and this year, if we were to introduce new vehicles, um, our total vehicle output would decrease. This is a very important point that I think people do not, a lot of people do not understand. Um, so last year, we spent a lot of engineering and management resources uh, solving supply chain issues, uh, rewriting code, changing out chips, reducing the number of chips we need. That was chip, chip drama central. Um, and there were not the, that was not the only supply chain issue. So there was just hundreds of, of, of things. Um, and as a result, we were able to grow almost 90% while uh, I believe almost every other manufacturer contracted last year. So that, that, that's a good result. Um, uh, but but we, if, if we had introduced, say, a new car last year, um, we would, our total vehicle output would have, still, would have been the same because of the constraints, uh, the chips constraints particularly. So if, if we'd actually introduced an additional product, uh, that, would, it, that would then uh, require a bunch of attention and resources uh, on that increased complexity of, of the additional product, resulting in fewer vehicles actually being delivered. And the same is true of this year. So, so we will not be uh, introducing new vehicle models uh, this year. It would not make any sense because um, we will still be past constrained. We, we will, uh, however, do a lot of engineering and tooling and whatnot to create those vehicles as uh, the Cybertruck, Semi, Roadster, um, uh, Optimus, um, and um, and be ready to bring those to production hopefully next year. Um, that that is most likely. Um, but, it, but like I said, it, it is dependent on to, are we able to produce more cars or fewer cars. Um, so. Um, In, in terms of priority of products, I think the, the I think that actually the most important product development we're doing this year is is actually the Optimus humanoid robot. Um, this I think has the potential to be more significant than the vehicle business over time. Uh, if, you, if you think about the economy, it, it is the foundation of the economy is labor. Capital equipment is distilled labor. Um, so what happens if you don't actually have a, a labor shortage? 
I'm not sure what an economy even means at that point. That's what Optimus is about. So, very important. Let's see, uh, Drew, do you want to talk about the 4680 program? Um, sure. Or is this good, right at the right time? Or? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, sure. So throughout 2021, we focused on growing cell supply alongside our in-house 4680 effort uh, to provide us, provide us flexibility um, and insurance as we attempt to grow as fast as possible. Uh, as we sit today, cells from suppliers is actually it sort of exceeds our other factory limiting constraints that you mentioned, Elon, um, in 2022. Or to say differently, 4680 cells are not a constraint to our 2022 volume plans based on the information we have. But we are making meaningful progress up the ramp curve in Cato. We're building 4680 structural packs every day, which are being assembled into vehicles in Texas. I was driving one yesterday and the day before. Um, uh, and we believe our first 4680 vehicles um, will be delivered this quarter. Um, our focus on the cell, the pack, um, and the vehicles here is driving yield quality and cost to ensure we're ready for larger volumes uh, this year as we ramp and next year. Um, and the 4680 and pack tool installations here at Kick Austin are progressing well with some areas producing first parts, and the internet has also noticed that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I was touring the factory, the cell factory here yesterday. <laughs> I'm, I'm super pumped. It's it's like a really uh, exciting accomplishment for us to bring everything into one awesome factory here in Texas. Absolutely. Um, and, and just to re repeat Cruz's point, we, we, are, we, we are still... We still expect to be part or primarily chip limited this year. Um, so uh, that's the thing that's that's actually the, the driver. Um, yeah. And that, that chip limitation should alleviate next year. Um, and then probably we transition into a cell limitation battery cell. It's, you know, total gigawatt hours of cell limitation, which is when the 4680 will become very important. Agreed. Well, I have to say here, I was a bit disappointed overall by this earnings call, uh, not in the sense of uh, the big picture, don't get me wrong, because Tesla is super profitable. In fact, that bit that you may have caught there about the company being in the black overall for its entire history, that was news to me. That is pretty cool. That's, In fact, that's really cool. That shows you just how far Tesla has come. And the future of this company and of these cars is extremely bright. But the product roadmap update from Elon, which admittedly he didn't really hype up. I, I have to take ownership maybe of hyping it up a bit too much for myself. But the product roadmap update just didn't end up being too much. It basically amounted to two things. One bit of good news and one bit of bad news. The good news is that the 4680-based Model Ys, as I've been calling them, the Model Y 2.0s with the new battery cells and the structural battery pack and the, the single-piece casting front and rear, that those are ready to go out of Giga Texas. Do, do not undersell that. That is great news. That is fantastic. And then the bad news from the product, product roadmap update is that nothing will be launching this year. Not the Cybertruck, not the Tesla Semi, and not the new Tesla Roadster. I was hoping for at least 
a little detail on the state of the Cybertruck semi and Roadster. Just something like, I'll give you an example. Something like Elon saying, well, the Cybertruck is in its alpha prototype phase. We've made a number of improvements and refinements since the original prototype design and our stainless steel pressing is testing really well. Something like that. And for Roadster, uh, something like, we completed the final design drivable prototype that we had targeted for late summer last year. So just something like that. That would have been nice. But anyway, on the topic of next year, just now that we know where we stand with regard to the, the uh, product roadmap, if Tesla does launch the Cybertruck, Semi, and Roadster next year, by the way, uh, clearly the Tesla Semi is not considered launched, even though one of the reservation holders, PepsiCo, is getting trucks very soon if they haven't already. And strangely, that wasn't mentioned on this earnings call at all. But if all three of those do launch next year, that would mean, obviously, three new vehicle launches in one year, which would be Tesla's new calendar year record by far. The original Roadster debuted in 2008, the Model S in 2012, the Model X in 2015, the Model 3 in 2017, and the Model Y in 2020. They've never even launched two new vehicles in a given year, let alone three. I know I've said back like on the New Year's prediction show uh, that this year is going to be fun, and it is. Don't get me wrong, it's already fun. But next year should be bonkers. It is going to be a blast. Stick around, keep listening to the podcast. We're going to have a great time. But getting back to the rest of Elon's opening remarks here, and uh, I'm glad to hear that the chip shortage is improving, if not totally over with. Sadly, we're still stuck with it. But it's really good news to hear, again, Drew Baglino, the head of battery tech at Tesla, say that the 4680 cells are not a constraint on anything. Uh, But again, I do have to say, that as a fan of the cars and wanting Tesla to continue to innovate and push forward in the vehicle space, I'm a bit, I mean, disappointed isn't the right word, but let me say, I'll say this, I don't immediately share Elon's near-term optimism about Optimus, the AKA the Tesla bot. And the reason for that is twofold. Number one, FSD itself isn't even there yet, which is what is going to power Optimus. I mean, I feel like FSD's gotta be rock solid before they can worry about using that software to power a genuinely useful and functioning labor robot. Uh, And second, I worry that the bot is gonna take Elon's focus and or company resources away from the cars, which is what I personally care about most. Again. I recognize the future value of the Tesla bot, but it just, it seems to me, and again, Elon's a much, much smarter person than me. I'm just a a numbskull here that likes Tesla that does a podcast about it, but there's not even a functioning prototype of Optimus yet. That's how far away this is, and Elon is saying that it's super important. It's like, well... I get that, but let's let's get these three vehicles launched because they're really important to the company's mission 
of accelerating the transition to sustainable energy for this planet. The Cybertruck is important. The Semi is important. Okay, admittedly, the Roadster's not really that important. The Roadster is more of a a statement piece than anything else, but two of those three are really important towards accelerating the world's transition to sustainable energy. So it's, uh, you know, it's never a dull moment with Tesla, but Optimus is now is now a really something that's that's very near and dear to Elon's heart, and it's going to be something that we're going to be hearing a lot more about in the coming months and, and next couple of years. Uh, by the way, speaking of the Cybertruck, Elon, as you heard, didn't really talk about it, not just in his opening remarks, but in the earnings call at all. But I do have a legitimate update on it to share with you. New Alpha prototypes, well, at least one, was photographed and, and even videoed at Giga Texas this week by multiple people. Uh, there were celebrities that came through and were posting pictures of it. There were factory workers at Giga Texas posting a walk-around video of it. There were pictures of it. Uh, there was even a picture of it at a uh, supercharger outside of Giga Texas, which is still unpaved. It's a dirt lot, but there are V3 supercharger stalls there, and it was getting some juice. So even that was a pretty cool picture to see. And those pictures reveal some stuff. I mean, uh, Elon did tweet this past week before the earnings call, been driving the latest Cybertruck prototype around Giga Texas. It's awesome. And so from a close look at those pictures and videos, you can see a few things, a few noticeable things that are details that are worth pointing out. First, concretely, this is a big one, and this is going to be uh, probably very welcome news to those of you with Cybertruck reservations. There is a second screen, an instrument cluster display in front of the driver, similar to the Model S and Model X. Uh, so that's that's a big one. The prototype did not have that. They are also keeping the yoke that we saw on the Cybertruck prototype, which at this point may or may not be good news for those of you with reservations, but it probably shouldn't be surprising at this point, given that Tesla is embracing the yoke. Also, uh, side view mirrors are on this one as well, which we've already talked about. We've already seen those. I do think, though, I'm, I'm still at the point where I'm so used to seeing the original prototype and pictures of that that it still feels strange to me to see the Cybertruck with side view mirrors. I know eventually that's going to change and the prototype will kind of fade into memory and I'll see Cybertrucks out and about on the roads and they'll all have side view mirrors. But for the time being, I'm still used to seeing it without the mirrors. Uh, some more stuff to comment on with regard to this new Cybertruck Alpha prototype. The charge port door has been moved from the rear of the body as a cutout in the stainless to uh, being located on the black trim at the rear of the left rear wheel well, presumably so that there's one less bit of stainless steel cutting that has to happen during the origami-style construction of the Cybertruck during production. Uh, the door handles are also gone, which we knew about, but on this prototype, this new prototype, you can see what are either, I can't quite tell, finger swipe sensors, like on the Roadster prototype, or they might be buttons on the B-pillar. Either way, they're on the B-pillars above the stainless, 
but I can't, I can't quite tell which they are. But again, this will make production easier by allowing doors to be stamped out more quickly. No need to cut door handle hole cutouts on those stainless panels when they're stamped. Uh, now, some people in the community also think that the Cybertruck looks, the, the new one, looks smaller than the prototype. And speaking honestly, it's tough to tell. Uh, they might be right. It might be. And I see what those people are saying from the pictures. I'm just not sure. And we just won't know until we get final measurements. I mean, it's possible that Tesla took a couple inches off of its length so that it would fit in garages a little bit better. Or maybe they didn't. Maybe it's just the you know, little refinements to the design that make it look a little smaller. So we'll see about that. And then finally, one last thing about this new Alpha prototype. The aero wheel covers are were not on this Alpha prototype when it was photographed and, and videoed. And the wheels underneath, they actually look a lot like the Model 3 aero wheels without the aero covers on. And, and I, I have to say... For me, I think the wheel covers, those aero wheel covers, really finish off the look of the Cybertruck quite nicely. And so with that, I have to say, I just, I can't wait to see the final, totally put together version of this truck. All right, let's get back to the earnings call now. And uh, how about the progress of the so-called Model 2, even though, again, we know it won't be called Model 2. Elon has said that. But I think at this point, it's really, it's just as inaccurate to refer to it as the $25,000 car as well, because in this age of inflation and rising materials costs, it's probably not going to cost $25,000. So I'm going to just go with Model 2 for now. And if uh, <laughs> eventually we'll learn the real name of it. But anyway, Elon was asked, what is the progress of the Model 2, a.k.a. the $25,000 car? Well, I, I, we're, we're not currently working on the, the, our $25,000 car. Um, we, you know, at some point we will, but uh, uh, we have enough on our plate right now. Too, too much on our plate, frankly. Um, so, yeah, at some point there will be... Um, but, but I think that's sort of a question that it's it's sort of the wrong question, really. It's the really the thing that overwhelmingly matters is uh, when is the car autonomous? Um, at the point at which is autonomous, the cost of transport drops by, I don't know, a factor of four or five. That means that that car has got to be at least three years out, maybe more. Now, some people in the community interpreted what he said there as this car never existing due to robo-taxis being imminent, or at least, you know, that's what Elon is driving towards, that people will just use the Tesla network to get around because it'll be so cheap to do so. And while I would love to see it, that I, I, I am not seeing it that way, at least not, again, not in the near term. And even if it did, I'm pretty confident in saying that there would still absolutely be a huge market for a $25,000-ish car. I mean, some people want to own their own car, want to jump into it anytime they want. Others 
don't live in cities where the Tesla network, where a robo-taxi isn't going to be easily summoned, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many use cases. There are so many things that need to be done to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. And I think they are, they are not, uh, one does not preclude the existence of the other. I think we can have a $25,000 Tesla and a robo taxi network. So uh, I look forward to that car coming along at some point. Now, speaking from my very own household situation, my wife just spent over $3,000 in maintenance, just you know, a whole pile of stuff on her 2005 Mini Cooper. Now she doesn't drive it much, so it just, we talked about it, it doesn't make sense for us financially to replace the car just yet, but we did talk about how this 3K is probably the last big money that, that she should put into the car. So if it can last until the Model 2, then great, We're gonna, we'll get that. She wants a small car for sure, and the Model 2, we know, will be smaller than the Model 3. But if not, if the Model 2 is way out there and or her car doesn't survive, doesn't hold up, I think we're probably going to end up aiming for like a used standard range plus Model 3 if she ends up needing a car beforehand. Ideally would be an LFP Model 3 that would just suffer no degradation in the long term. She doesn't need the long range. We have mine for road trips etc. But anyway, you don't care about what I'm doing, but, but it's, you know, it, I think that's an example of, you know, how the $25,000 car is a factor for people. I mean, it, it, it matters whether that car exists or not. So I look forward to that car going into development or back into development, whatever the case may be. It sounds like maybe it hasn't been developed at all yet. So I look forward to that car getting made someday in the next few years. Next up, what about HVAC. We've heard this mentioned before that Tesla, that Elon has toyed around with doing a home HVAC system. Well, he was asked about that and here's what he had to say. In fact, uh, Drew, pardon me, this is Drew talking and uh, Lars also gets in on this as well. Yeah, I think from a mission perspective, it's very aligned. Uh, If you imagine replacing um, natural gas, water and space heaters with electric heat pumps, it offsets something equivalent to like 80% of what a solar plus power wall system would offset. So it's, it's very impactful. Um, and we have learned mm-hmm. a lot about how to make uh, capable and reliable heat pumps um, uh, that work in all environmental conditions and uh, are excited about the idea of working on that problem one day. <laughs> we put it that way. Uh, it's definitely aligned with our uh, mission to transition to sustainable, accelerate the transition to sustainable energy. Yeah, I think it, it, it really becomes quite a compelling solution uh, to the, the consumer where you integrate uh, the electric vehicles, charging, uh, solar, uh, you know, energy storage, hot water, um, HVAC in a, in, a, in a very tight, compact package that also looks good. It just doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, the, the integration <laughs> of those systems in our house that's Lars, by the way. But we, <laughs> sorry. The integration of those systems in a house are, are, are no different than the integration of those systems in a vehicle. Yeah. The only difference is yeah. we do it all in a vehicle. It's way harder than a vehicle. And then it's, it's, a, it's so constrained on mass and volume and yeah. energy. It's like 
you get to the house, you're like, wow. If you have kind of easy problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, obviously those systems are all just disparate and, and, and what we've been doing with the Powerwall and charging solar is integrating them more and more. Yeah, the yeah. next logical step is obviously HVAC and, and water and heating. So we will do that um, and we will integrate it probably better than anyone has. But as you said, we have a lot of stuff on our plate. Yeah. So. And obviously it integrates with your, like your, your phone, your phone app and everything. And, and, and then like the, the car can, you like the, the house can just heat and cool things when, because it knows you're coming home, yeah. you know, type of thing. Yeah. Um, it, it just doesn't need to be like randomly that temperature when you're not there or, you know. When the cat moves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <it's> exactly. <laughs> so you just do sensible things and, and just be, work really well. I think it'd be just a, you know, quite a game changer down the road. Um, we, we, we got a lot of fish frying on it. <laughs> and so it, it is a thing we will do, but we're not committing to a time frame at this point. And people should do it anyway. Yeah, if, if somebody else wants to do it, we are, yes, please. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> super beneficial for achieving the goal here. Yeah. Now, this is a product that I would personally love to see and uh, one that I feel is maybe a little more grounded and attainable in the near term than the Optimus bot, while still having a substantial positive impact on customers' lives. Uh, speaking personally, again, I could use this today. The HVAC system in my home, uh, it's a heater only. There's no, a lot of people don't have air conditioning here in San Francisco, and I'm one of them. But my HVAC system's like 30 years old. So an efficient Tesla HVAC system would be Amazing. I would probably pre-order that in a heartbeat. All right. The next question that was asked of Elon, would they consider splitting FSD into tiers or different licenses? And here's what Elon had to say in response. Um, no, I mean, it, is, it sounds maybe too complicated. Um, we're just going to be focused on like what sells for the fully considered uh, lowest cost per uh, mile a kilometer of, of driving um, and these other the, 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 so that, that's that's what matters like how, how do we maximize the efficiency of getting people from one place to another um, and then and then charge uh, charge them in a sensible way including the charging infrastructure that's a big part of it yeah exactly charging for money and charging for energy yeah well, that will probably be a disappointment to a lot of folks because it sounds like Elon is not interested in making any changes to the structure of the FSD package, be it the more fleet-focused stuff that this question was specifically asking about, or, if I may interpret it this way, even reintroducing something. This wasn't the question, but again, if I want to interpret it this way, that he's not really on board with even reintroducing something like Enhanced Autopilot. It's just going to be 12000 bucks for the whole kit and caboodle, or for now, $200 per month. Dojo, what's going on with that, Elon? Okay, there's a few questions in there. Like six questions. Uh, yeah, Dojo appears to be on track for um, doing something useful in the summer of this year. Um, the, I think the threshold that really matters is at which point... When does it become uh, more competitive than a GPU cluster for training? Um, and obviously, the GPU cluster is getting better, so uh, it's a moving target. But that's that's the the goal I've set for the team is um, the um, 
the, the, the FSD team running our GPU supercluster uh, needs to tell me that they want to use Dojo instead. That's that's where that's 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 a you know obvious sort of threshold. Um, and um, I, I don't know when that it's you know like I wouldn't say like success is one hundred percent certain here. Um, I think you, you would just generally want to overestimate eating options and underestimate ourselves. Um, but it does seem as though we might pass that threshold next year with Dojo, if, if, you know, if we execute well. Um, Dojo is not needed for full self-driving, um, but it, it is um, a cost optimization on training vast amounts of video data. Uh, cost optimization also a rate of improvement. Uh, you know, so if you can if you can train models faster and have a shorter iteration interval, then you can make progress faster. So, um, like not not everything can be just just, just distributed to a zillion deep GPUs. Uh, so, so there's some element of serialization there. So. Um, and then, you know, if, if Dojo is competitive, then you know it, it does seem like the kind of thing where we would offer it to other companies that want to do uh, neural net training. This is very much a neural net training optimized uh, system. Um, you know, it, but it, it, in theory, it should be uh, better than. A, a, general, a generalized computing platform or say GPUs, which were not really intended for, uh, you know, the pixel shaders, not not uh, directly intended for optimizing training of uh, neural networks. Um, they just happen to work better than CPUs in most cases. So, so you can think of like Dojo is like a giant ASIC um, optimized for neural net training, especially video uh, or video-like things. Um, but as as like that, we're not saying for sure Dojo will succeed. We think it will. Uh, we would encourage those who think this is an interesting problem to join Tesla. Um, and um, yeah. See, I'll tell you, this is the honesty that I really do appreciate out of Elon. He admits he's not sure if Dojo is going to do what they hope it will do. But if it does, it's really awesome to hear that they could turn it into its own revenue stream by selling it to other companies. Also, it's good to hear that while Dojo will certainly help FSD by making it quicker and cheaper to iterate on the updates that it will not be a full stop requirement for Tesla to achieve their goal of reaching level four FSD in the near term. All right, the Tesla bot that we've already talked about here. Let's hear more about it. What will be the first use of Optimus? Yeah, the first use of the Tesla bot, Optimus. The Optimus name seems to be sticking, at least internally. Um, Optimus Subprime. <laughs> um, yeah, like if if we can't find if we can't find a use for it, then we shouldn't expect that others would. So, the first use of the of the Tesla Optimus robot would, would be at Tesla. Um, 
kind of like moving parts around the factory or something like that. Well, this use case does make perfect sense. Prove it out in the Tesla factories doing simple physical jobs. And boy, I'll tell you, that will make factory tours even more interesting. Side note, if and when factory tours come back, I highly, highly recommend you take one if you get the opportunity. Assuming that Tesla maintains the same policy they've always had of allowing every owner one factory tour per year, it is a sight to behold inside of Fremont. I have used the term awe-inspiring before, and I don't throw that around lightly. I know that can be a very hyperbolic term. I literally mean awe-inspiring. I mean, it is incredible to see what what happens in there. And I, I, uh, I'd love to see the other factories as well. But yes, take the factory tour if you ever get the chance. All right, Tesla insurance. When can we expect a wider rollout? Zach Kirkhorn, Tesla CFO, tell us about that. Yeah, um, we're, we currently offer Tesla insurance in five states in the U.S. Uh, four of them are telematics, which is Texas, Illinois, Ohio, and Arizona. Um, and then California, which has a, a more standard insurance offering based upon regulations there. Uh, it should be clear, like we're pushing very hard for California to change the rules to allow uh, informatics, which basically means that, you know, you're, you're as safe as your driving is measured. So um, I think this, the, the current California rules are contrary to the best interests of the consumers in California um, and, and should be changed. Yeah, and that's evidenced by what we're seeing in Texas, yeah. where we've been in this market now for about three months. And what we see in the data is uh, the frequency of collision by folks who are in, who are given a feedback loop on how they are driving is quite a bit lower than the frequency of collision otherwise. Yeah, and so, we give people direct feedback on whether driving is safe. And if they drive safer, they, their insurance costs less, so they drive safer. <laughs> it's great. It encourages Tesla insurance with informatics and real-time feedback encourages safer driving and rewards it. I mean, with monetarily, it's great. Exactly. Yeah. And so we see that so far in Texas. Um, take take rates have been quite strong. Uh, we measure this uh, on the conversion rate from when folks uh, quote to see what their monthly rate would be at the starting point to, to what percentage of them purchase. So we're very encouraged by the interest that we're seeing in Texas. And then we've had enough history in Texas to see what does the loss ratios look like and how do the economics of the program work. And, you know, we're on the right track there as well. So we're comfortable with what we've seen in Texas to move as quickly as we can to scale this across the U.S. Uh, specifically on the question about when we will be in all states, you know, this is a slow process because of uh, insurance being regulated at the state level. And so we have to go through each of those processes with each of the departments of insurance at each state. But our internal goal here by the end of the year is to be in enough locations that 80% of our customers within the U.S. Uh, could choose to sign up for Tesla insurance if they wanted to. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty around that based upon the regulatory processes, but that's our goal. And then as we make more progress rolling out in the states and each incremental state becomes a, a little bit less effort than the prior, that's when we'll turn our attention to, to the Europe market. Uh, we might be able to do that by the end of the year, uh, starting to get work on Europe by the end of the year. We'll, we'll have to see how we progress in the U.S. So for those of you interested in Tesla insurance, it sounds like efforts are well underway to expand it much further, but 
It might take some time since it sounds like they essentially have to make their case 45 more times, each in a unique way. All right, what are the biggest obstacles for Cybertruck production, Elon? Batteries will probably not be the limiting factor in Cybertruck production. There's a lot of new technology in the Cybertruck that will take some time to work through. Um, and then there's a question of like, what's the average cost of a Cybertruck and to what degree is that affordable? Uh, you know, there's, there's you, you can make something infinitely desirable, but if if it's not affordable, that will constrain people's ability to buy it because they simply don't have the money. Um, I'd worry more about like how do we make the Cybertruck affordable, despite having all this awesome technology. That's that's the thing that will really set the the rate. Um, you know, aspirationally, we'd like. In terms of just a rough order of magnitude, would like Cybertruck to be at, you know at least on the order of quarter million vehicles a year, um, but it'll take us a moment to get to get to that level. I talked two episodes ago about this topic, so I was really really happy to see Elon address it. You may recall that I shared the concern that the Cybertruck was starting to remind me of the Model X in the sense that it was continually being. I don't want to say plagued, that's a very like loaded word, but it was it was being subject to feature creep and uh, that the Model X, as you recall, took a while to get released and it was a complicated beast to build when it finally was ready to be gone into to be put into production. And of course, the Model X isn't cheap, although in fairness, it was never intended to be so. That all of that is to say that I felt much better about this topic when Elon specifically brought up affordability and how Tesla could go crazy with this new tech, but have to make sure not to lose sight of affordability. And of course, I'm paraphrasing him here, but hopefully that's going to make a lot of you Cybertruck reservation holders who have been worried that you might get priced out of this truck feel better about it. We obviously won't know for sure until we see final pricing, but hopefully that gives you a bit of optimism. All right, the level four full self-driving estimate. What about that? that? That was the recent estimate by Elon that he felt confident we would get there this year. Here's him uh, talking a little bit more about that. As mentioned earlier, Dojo is not required for full self-driving. Um, you know, it, it, it should have a positive effect on the cost of training networks. You know, the, the, it's not just a question of like, does does you get do you get full self driving, but really, it's kind of like the march of nines of reliability. Is it ninety nine point nine 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 percent reliable or ninety nine point nine 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 percent? This is gets nutty. So, we obviously, want to get to as close to perfection as possible. Um, so. Uh, frankly, being safer than a human is a low standard, um, not a high standard. <laughs> People are very, very lossy, often distracted, tired, you know, uh, texting. Uh, anyway, it's, it's remarkable that we don't have more accidents. So uh, it's... it's it, <laughs> Yeah, it, so, so actually being better than human 
I think it's just relatively straightforward, frankly. Uh, how do you be a thousand percent better or ten thousand percent better? Uh, yeah, that's that's what you know gets that's much much harder. Um, but I think anyone who's been in the FSD beta program, I mean, if they were just to plot the progress of the beta in interventions per mile, um, it's obviously trending to, you know, a very small number of interventions per mile. And, and, and pace of improvement is fast. Um, and there's, there are several profound improvements to the FSD stack that are coming you know, in the next few months. So, <clears throat> yeah. Um, I, I would be shocked if we do not achieve full self-driving safer than a human this year. I would be shocked. Well, we're making good progress for sure. But again, just a friendly reminder to take Elon's inherent core optimism, which... Again, I think is a net good thing, but you've got to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. I certainly do hope that we reach level four FSD this year, but it's such a massive and difficult problem. Let's see where we are six months from now, because I mean, Elon's saying he will be shocked if they don't achieve level four this year. I know he has to believe that, and he does. He's not. He's being honest, but it's a difficult problem, and uh, the. We're, you know, the progress continues. That's the good news. Okay, we move from the upvoted retailer investor questions to the analyst questions. And the first one of those was, what is the current full self-driving attach rate? A good question. You know, I, th I think the FSD stuff, you really don't want to be looking in the rearview mirror. Um, it will not be a good indicator for the future. Um, you, this is what you need to look out the front windscreen. Um so, uh, because it is such a profound step change. Um, I mean, effectively, long term, every car will have FSD. You know, and so, um, and the value of that will be a, a very big number. Um, you know, it's like, I mean, just look at this as asset utilization. And you have a passenger car, which normally is driven maybe one and a half hours a, week, a day on average, maybe 10, 10 hours, 10, 10, 12 hours a week. A lot of, a lot of cars in parking lots. You know, so we're spending money, not just driving the cars, but storing them all over the place. Um, we can get rid of a lot of parking lots if you have a car that is operating all the time. Um, but there will be a challenge with traffic. Uh, so, you know, we've got like this little tiny baby company, the Boring Company, which I initially started as a joke, and, and now, <laughs> but now it's, I think it actually could be quite essential to alleviating the insane traffic that will happen when cars are autonomous, because you reduce the pain of of travel and you reduce the cost of travel so dramatically that there will be a crazy number of cars on the road. Um, I mean, it's 
going to be, I, I think it'll be cheaper to go point to point with a, with a robo taxi or which is an autonomous Tesla, which every car we've made in the past three or four years will, will be capable of that, uh, than, than a bus or a, or a subway. But this, it'll cost less than the subsidized value of a bus ticket. So people are, going to take, people are not going to take the bus. <laughs> you know, if, if it costs you, I don't know, for argument's sake, you know, two, two bucks to travel 10 miles point to point, nobody's taking the bus, especially in cold weather or it's dark or maybe a little bit dangerous or how that, you know, door to door. Uh, people, just, people just do not understand how profound a change this is. It's not, it's not like some little feature. It's like the most profound software upgrade maybe in history. Um, millions of cars suddenly have what, four or five times the utility than they used to have overnight. I don't actually know how to quantify that financially, except that it's some big number. <laughs> you know, his huge confidence here makes me wonder what dev build he's driving in his car that we aren't seeing yet. Again, if he's speaking this confidently, surely he's got to be seeing some progress internally that is giving him the high level of confidence to talk like this on the earnings call, which is cool. I mean, it's the optimism, the confidence, it is infectious. And and by the way, on that subject, I just want to say, I am really happy to have Elon back on the earnings call. I don't know if he's going to stick around uh, or if we're only going to see him like once a year or when he kind of feels like it. Maybe it's going to be just for the full year earnings call, which would be this one, you know, the one that happens in January. We'll see. We'll have to just play it quarter by quarter on that. Uh, the next analyst question was about whether 3 million vehicles is a realistic 2024 output at the current growth rate of 50% a year without the $25,000 car, without the Model 2. Yeah, I mean, it, it was apparent from the questions that the, the, gravi the gravity of full self-driving is, um, is not fully appreciated. Um, you know, if an asset has five times more utilization than the, it affect it's like it's like dividing the cost of that asset by five. So if you have a fifty thousand dollar car, it's like having a ten thousand dollar car all of a sudden. But but maybe better better than that because still you don't need anyone to drive. So the person can be engaged in productivity or amusement instead of having to, you know, onerously drive through traffic. Um, so it's probably better than five times. I don't know. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, basically, if, if the cost of our cars did not change at all, we would still sell as many as we could possibly make. I guess he's saying that more people will buy the Model 3 and the Y. But again, I still feel very strongly that moving down market is just crucially important for not just Tesla, but for the EV movement in general. I mean, I certainly don't disagree that Tesla is gonna continue to sell every single Model 3 and Model Y that they can make. And boy, do I hope he's right about FSD. I mean, I wonder 
are we gonna need hardware four to really get it done in the way that Elon is envisioning though? That's that's something else we didn't hear about this uh, on this call, particularly in the context of a product roadmap update. We've only heard the thing we heard a couple of earnings calls ago, which is that the Cybertruck would be the first vehicle to get hardware for. Now, I follow Tesla white hat hacker Green the Only on Twitter, who I mention on this podcast from time to time. And while he is by no means the lone expert, he is clearly a very smart person and he has been inside the code and he has expressed hesitation that hardware three is going to have enough processing ceiling left. More specifically, he said that he he has said that he feels that hardware three is just about maxed out now. And remember, hardware four isn't just going to be a new, more powerful computer that could be potentially easily swapped out and upgraded. It's going to be a whole new camera setup as well. But the thing is, a dummy like me, even though I watch this stuff closely, cannot predict how it's going to go. I'm not sure anyone really can because Tesla is breaking new ground with this stuff every single day. They are forging ahead. They are taking all of us to places that we've never been before, which is super cool. That's part of the reason that I wanted to be in the FSD beta was to be a small part uh, uh, of that journey, be along for the ride. It's that tip of the spear that I talk about a lot. So anyway, uh, let's see. I've got one, two, two more clips for you. The first is about the 4680 cells and will other companies be able to use the form factor and will all of the Teslas be moved over to the 4680s. Yeah. Um, on the 4680 as a form factor, yes, we've engaged with um, a number of our you know, partners, our suppliers uh, um, on, on the form factor, and they're all working on it. Um, and, you know, they look at it the way we look at it as a way to drive fundamental cost efficiencies in production um, and, and also ultimately the design of the cell itself. To, to drive the cost down of, of the cell. Um, and, um, and so that's, that's what's engaged. I mean, we're, we're engaged because we think it's a good form factor. They're engaged because they think it's a good form factor and we're, we want people to make it for sure. Um, to the question about should everything be 4680, it doesn't have to be in the end. It's, it's about, uh, cost competitiveness, scalability of manufacturing. And when you compare like a iron cell with a nickel cell, for example, like there are some just physics-based differences in what happens in certain corner cases that would drive different form factors. And we just have to be cognizant of that and designed to that. So it isn't like the ultimate form factor for all things. There's other form factors that could be better for an iron cell, for example. So yeah, we, we don't use 4680 at all for the iron set-based cells. No. You may remember recently that I brought up the strange lack of any mention of the Model 3 getting the 4680 cells. Well, perhaps this quote confirms that the 3 is going to be sticking with the 2170s. Drew clearly stated that the LFP battery cars will not use the 4680 form factor. And the only car in the lineup right now that uses LFPs is the Model 3. And I doubt that Tesla would have a 2170-based LFP base Model 3. 
and then a 4680 in structural battery pack, long range and performance Model 3. That would not seem to make too much sense. So uh, good to have that addressed. And the final clip I have for you, well, it's a little bit of a, a just comic relief, a funny note to end on. This is in regards to the chip shortage, but that's not really why I wanted to play this clip. I just thought it was amusing. Take a listen to this one. Well, last year was chip hell of many chips. Uh, so Silicon Carbide inverters were certainly one of them, but... Uh, um, Honestly, it was a lot of annoying, very boring parts. Yeah, it's, it's a ton of very simple control chips that run of them all, literally, you know... <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Ba- basic chips to, to control voltage references, oscillators, just yeah. like very boring things. Yeah, exactly. Like the little chip that allows you to move your seat back and forth <laughs> it was, it actually was a big problem. <laughs> yeah, so you can make seats. Um, so, I, I, like, but a lot of these things were alleviating. I think there's this, there's some degree of the toilet paper problem as well, where. Um, you know, there was a toilet paper shortage uh, during COVID, and uh, like obviously it wasn't really an, an, a, a suddenly a, a tremendous enhanced need for ass wiping. Um, it's just people panicked in order to and got every paper product you probably you could possibly wipe your ass with, basically. Um, and I wasn't sure is this like a real thing or not. I actually took my kids to the HEB and Walmart in, in Texas to just confirm that this is real. <laughs> Indeed, it was. Um, and there was, there was plenty of food and everything else, but just nothing, no paper products um, that didn't cause a splinter. So um, an odd choice for people to panic about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if those things are, if there's end of the world's coming, I think toilet paper is the least of your problems. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I think we saw just a lot of companies overorder chips uh, and, and then buffer the chips. Um, and so we should see, and we are seeing allevi- alleviation in, in that, almost every area, but the output of the vehicle is, uh, goes with the, the, the least lucky, um, you know, uh, most, whatever the most problematic item in the entire car is. And there's like at least 10,000 unique parts in the car. <laughs> so uh, you know, way more than that if you go further up the supply chain. And so it's, it's just which which one is going to be the least lucky one this time? It's hard to say. Um, yeah. I mean, on a go-forward basis, right, the idea is to continue to drive simplification. So there are fewer unique parts, fewer of them. On the power side in particular, you know, it, it's still like a, an area of like technological development where, you know, the next the next chip can do the same thing with less die area. So like the total fab required to accomplish the function goes down. So, so there's still room to grow without needing more fab capacity, but in general, there's a lot more fab capacity coming. So that's like a win-win there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not a long-term thing because there's going to be there's a crazy amount of chip fabs being built, which is great. So again, I'm just playing this one because I thought his comment about toilet paper was funny and I wanted to share it. Also, I did think it was interesting to hear about a couple of specific parts that they had chip shortages with. The power seat chip. So I wonder if the lumbar is part of that and that's why the lumbar adjustment disappeared from the 
passenger seats of the three and the Y last year and will probably never come back. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed that little uh, anecdote of Elon shopping at HEB as much as I did. All right, that is your recap of the Q4 earnings call and shareholder letter, but I'm not quite done yet. I'm going to take a quick little short break, come right back, do your pro tip of the week and a little bit more right after this. As is typically the case on these earnings call episodes once a quarter, we have already gone way long here. We're an hour and 15 minutes before I even wrap up the show. So I will do the Ride the Lightning Hotline phone calls next week. I've got plenty of good ones from you guys queued up, but feel free to keep them coming. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll consider you for next week's show. If you would like to call in, there are one of two easy ways that you can do so. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less, and send it in via email to teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. Very simple. Toll-free number 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's one 888 989-TSLA. And for me, as, as to what's going on in my life with my car, it is now time to reset the board on the wall of my garage to now say it has been zero days since the last punctured tire. Yes, I got bit again in San Francisco. That's city living for you. Thankfully, it was a screw. And I'm very fortunate in this case, it was right in the middle of the tread, right in the middle of the tire. So it was patchable. I wasn't even losing tire pressure. I actually heard it with my window down. I heard a ticking and I was like, all right, maybe this is a rock. We'll see if it breaks out of there in a a couple miles. Nope, it was a screw, but I was able to get it taken care of and uh, it's done. And I've got a road hazard warranty on these tires. Uh, So that paid off here. Hey, a quick entertainment recommendation for you. It's a show called Costume Quest. It's on Prime Video. It's a cartoon, all ages appropriate. I watched this with my daughter. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast before. If I have, I apologize, but it is just a really great cartoon. I really enjoyed it. My daughter got a kick out of it. It's about kids uh, basically at Halloween. They're they, they're dressing up in Halloween costumes, but effectively those they're they become those costumes. And it's really cle- it's based on a video game, which is how I found out about it. Really clever show. Take a look. All right, time for your pro tip of the week. It comes from Denver in St. Louis. Hey Ryan, this is Denver from St. Louis, calling in for a pro tip of the week. If you have the blind side camera up and you're on a phone call or something and you need to hang up, you can swipe down on the camera viewer and in your call, and the camera viewer will go away. Love the show. Thanks. Thank you for that one. Yeah, it's nice to be able to swipe down and close basically anything that's ever layered on top of the map screen if you want. Hey, uh, if you've got a pro tip of the week, send it my way, same way that you send in the hotline phone calls, and I just told you about that a few minutes ago. I would love more awesome pro tips of the week that I can learn from and that the rest of your fellow 
fellow listeners and Tesla owners can learn from as well. Let me mention a few friends of the podcast before I get going. First up, abstractocean.com, as I like to lovingly call them, the Costco of Tesla aftermarket accessories. So much good stuff. You can go there, sort by car. So whichever Tesla you have, you can just look at all Model 3 stuff, all Model Y stuff, whatever you've got. Uh, A lot of great products, including the new fourth generation tempered glass screen protector, better than ever, awesome stuff. Rear footwell lighting kit's great, especially if you've got a Model Y. But just browse around, take a look, whatever you like, put it in your cart, go to checkout and put in the coupon code RTL podcast, all one word, RTL podcast at checkout. You will get 15% off of your first order. And then the snap plate. Don't forget that. Get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. That's everyamp.com slash RTL. This is the front license plate bracket that you want to get if you're going to put one on your car. Uh, Don't use the one that Tesla gives you because it sticks to the front of your car with automotive adhesive. Don't do that. Grab a snap plate instead that is removable, but when it's on, it's secure. It's going to look good. It's a nice minimalist design. They've got it for all four Tesla vehicles, even the new Model X that's barely started delivering. That's got a new front fascia up there, a new uh, air intake up there. So they've got it for that as well. So the snap plate folks at every amp are on their game. So don't miss that. Uh, Budget Safe Solar. If you're considering solar for your home or business, yes, you're going to consider Tesla, of course, as you should. But also reach out to Budget Safe Solar. Friend of the podcast here, simple deal. They take time to understand your specific situation. You can think of them as being, again, I've been making this analogy. I think it works. They're like real estate agents for your solar needs. They're going to, you tell them what you want. They're going to help you find the best option with the best, with, you know, the, the company that fits you best. They are independent, so lots of solutions. They operate in all 50 states plus Puerto Rico, so odds are they're going to be able to help you out. And if you uh, want to even join the growing solar industry, you can uh, explore that opportunity as well. Learn more, reach out, budgetsafesolar.com. And if you need it, the referral code there is RTL. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections, shout out to the three Ride the Lightning listeners who all have their cars at the shop right now getting detail work. That in and of itself isn't, I mean, it's cool. It's not particularly notable because that happens a lot. But what's funny about this one and funny in just an awesome way is uh, Jeff at Immaculate Reflections sent me this picture and then he posted it on his Instagram. The three Ride the Lightning listeners that all have their cars at Immaculate Reflections right now, they are all red paint white interior cars. There's a Model Y Performance, a Model S Plaid, and a new Model S Long Range. You can check out that picture if you want as well on the Immaculate Reflections Instagram, uh, which is Immaculate underscore Reflections on Instagram. But more to the point, if you want to get detailing work done, if you and your car are in or going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, you can reach out and book with Jeff via his website, which is irdetailing.com. And there is a nice little discount waiting for you. If you just mention, hey, I'm a Ride the Lightning listener, may I please have that discount? And Jeff will say, yes, you may. So enjoy that, whether you want to do some paint correction, paint protection film, ceramic coating, etc. 
How about puretesla.com slash RTL? Your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode setups. Yes, your Tesla comes with a USB stick, but it's flash. It's USB flash memory. It's not going to last. Trust me, I speak from personal experience because dash cam and sentry are constantly reading and writing, which is not what USB flash memory is good at. But pure Tesla's kit is micro SD based and it is designed for that constant reading and writing. So you can get yours 49 bucks free shipping for the 128 gigabyte kit. There's also a 256 gig kit for $69. Uh, get yours at puretesla.com RTL. And then of course my friends at Jada, they've got a few different Tesla products, including the Jada USB hub console, for those of you with newer Tesla 3s or Ys that have the, the newer generation center console that's got uh, the USB hub console from Jada has it. It's a storage organizer, USB hub, Apple Watch charger, AirPod charger, all in one. Uh, they've also got a few other products, including the wireless charging pad for those of us with older Model 3s where it didn't come in our car pre-installed. So uh, if you want to buy any of the Jada stuff, use the coupon code RTL for a nice little discount there as well. All I ask in return is that you use my referral link for Jada, which is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada is spelled J-E-D-A. Finally, the Patreon, that is the way that you can support the podcast purely on a voluntary basis. But my hope is that at some point, Maybe it's today, maybe it's next week, maybe it's soon, but at some point, perhaps you'll feel that I have earned your support because it is earned, it is not simply given. You can learn more about the Patreon and how to support me on patreon.com slash Podcast. There are various support tiers, both uh, monthly pledges or just a one once a year annual pledge. If you do the annual one, there's a 5% discount on it, which is nice. The pledge tiers start at just five bucks a month. And that five bucks a month, you'll not only be supporting the podcast, but in return, you will get early access to each week's episode. And it goes up from there. The, the $10 tier has the early access and the monthly bonus episode, and it, and it uh, goes up and on and so forth with more and more tiers and perks attached to each one. So again, I would humbly ask at some point, take a look at that Patreon page. Again, it's patreon.com slash Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm DMC underscore Ryan on either of those two social media platforms. You can also follow slash subscribe to the podcast, of course, completely for free on any of the major podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify, which are both natively in your Tesla. I'm also on YouTube in audio-only form, but if you do want to listen to me there, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube and you should find my channel pretty easily and you can subscribe there. Finally, I just want to say hello and thank you to the Plaid Maximum Plaid and Roadster in Space to your backers. Let me start with the Maximum Plaid group because I want to thank the newest Maximum Plaid backer, Paul Casarino, who has very generously upgraded his pledge from the Plaid tier. Uh, Paul will now have access to the monthly 
Hangout. We're doing them on Zoom now. I'm, I'm always in my head go Google Hangout, but uh, Zoom Room, I guess, is the is the colloquial term. So uh, we do those once a month. We get together if you're at the maximum plaid tier or higher, or you get a one-time invite to that monthly hangout if you're making any pledge or upgrading your pledge. So uh, we have a good time talking Tesla at those. The next one, in fact, is going to be coming up next weekend. So I'm looking forward to that. I've sent out calendar invites. It's not too late to get in on this one if you either make a new pledge or jump up to the the uh, maximum plaid tier to get invited to all of them. But thank you to Paul Casarino for that upgrade. Alongside the rest of the maximum plaid crew, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisneski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Maitsuaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Zachary Howard, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron Huxley, Aaron, John Cody, Sonar Tech 77, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, and Kim Bay. Thanks to all of you. And let me also thank the Plaid supporters, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Je- uh, excuse me, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Rick Dean, not Elon Musk, and T. Kirk Lowry. And finally, a thanks as well to the very generous Roadster in Space tier backers. Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Crafty Geek, Richard Stokes, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, and Howard Anthony Smith. That will about wrap it up here for Ride the Lightning episode 339. The earnings call shows are fun, man. They're a lot of work, but they are always fun. I always feel extra good when I get to this point right now, the end of an earnings call episode, because I know I've put in a good effort for the week to try and deliver a good recap, good highlights, good hopefully good analysis. That's up to you to decide, not me. But um, it's good to good to have these quarterly earnings calls. Good to have Elon back on this one. Hopefully he'll continue to keep coming back to the earnings calls as he always used to. But in the meantime, I will bid you adieu for now. I wish you happy electric motoring. I will see you in one week's time.
I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun. 